Now, at the end of the show on Friday, I told you guys there was going to be one, I don't know if you'd say upset, but what is the one game that I adamantly predicted would happen on Friday in terms of a ranked opponent Wyoming, this weekend? Wyoming and Fresno State. I said that the Pokes were going to beat Fresno State in Laramie, and I was pleasantly surprised to see that that was a nationally televised game that had 74 people in Wyoming watching it and one in Marion County. Because it was on at the same time as, you know, Notre Dame Louisville, for example, was on at the same time. Yeah. But in fact, Wyoming gets the win, right? It did. I am proudly wearing what today? A Wyoming sweatshirt. I know. And here's the thing. Because of my genius, I became so warm. Hang on just a second. I like the Cowboys, by the way, on the collar as well. It's a nice touch. Yeah, you like that? Hang yeah. on just a second. I'm it's good. Step aside in case this pulls my shirt up. I don't want to show bare skin on the air. All right. So we're having a quick little, little You could have at change. least moved the mic w- with you there. It's all right. And now, still repping a Wyoming shirt. Hang on just a second. My hair's a little tossed. <laughs> <laughs> Full on Wyoming. We got the hat now, okay. too. Okay. I like that. The, so, you, got the, you got the matching underwear, too? I, I, I love don't know. the script hats. Well, thank you. Big, fan of the script, big, big, big fan of the script hats. So, <laughs> Wyoming got the win. The other game that I have wildly predicted, and I will admit it's becoming a little more challenging to justify my prediction. But joining us now, Don Fisher, the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, who is going to have a heck of a Saturday upcoming because Indiana's going to win at Michigan. And I'm being serious. I know you are. Don Fisher joins us now. Don, first off, how was the, the bye weekend? Did you get a chance to relax a little bit? I played a couple of rounds of golf. Uh, I didn't do it on the bye weekend. I actually did it early in the week before I hurt my arm on the bye weekend. <laughs> so, but no, it was, a, it was a good week to have off obviously for the football team as well. And uh, a lot of changes have happened since that time. So obviously, uh, but I, the only reason I really wanted to come on the air today with you is just, I've just got to find out where in God's earth did you get the idea that Indiana was going to beat Michigan this coming Saturday? Now, Don, now first off, I want to make sure you don't have a, a, a grade three AC joint sprain in the golf. Yeah, arm, you weren't you? rolling out to, for a five right. yard quarterback keeper yeah. on your own 25, were you? No, I I had an AC sprain in high school. I had one of those, and it was about a month (laughs) before I got back in. I got back in just in time to realize that I was not good enough to be playing as a starter. (laughs) The team went 4-0, and all of a sudden, that was that, right? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Okay, Don, here's my thought process, okay? A couple of things. It's been a while for Indiana over Michigan, right? 24 24 straight, I think, for Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I'll be honest with you. A couple of things come into play here. And and I want to be clear, I'm not even trying to be like like flippantly making fun of Indiana. Admittedly, Don, I was a little more bullish is probably the wrong word. I thought at the beginning of the season I didn't Clinical? think Indiana would have the the struggles they've had to this yeah. point. Offensively speaking, so to speak, just in terms of trying to find something offensively. Um they've shown moments where they could get good quarterback play, and I think that's encouraging. I think that they have a defense that have guys that are still wearing name tags with one another because they haven't necessarily – I think they've got some skilled players, but they haven't been around each other a lot, obviously, and they're trying to find their way through there. Now, um, part of it, too, with Michigan – I look at Michigan and I go, okay, they beat East Carolina. Great, right? They beat UNLV. I, I mean, you know, was was Stacy Augman out there? They beat Bowling Green. Okay, a MAC team, right? They beat Rutgers 31-7. I think Rutgers is probably decent. They beat Nebraska, but we've been waiting for like 10 years for Nebraska to be Nebraska. And they beat Minnesota pretty handily 52-10. 
Then they have the fighting Hoosiers coming to the big house. But they have Michigan State the week after that. And then they have Penn State two weeks after that. So if Michigan is going to lose to Indiana, I could see it being a game where perhaps they overlook Indiana a little bit trap because game. it's Indiana. Yes, yeah, trap, trap game, right? Game. Indiana clearly, Don, needs to find some offensive groundwork here. But um, I just feel like they're due. I mean, it really has nothing to do with – Don, my, you've known me a number of years now. My gut is a little bit bigger than it used to be. So I have to go with gut instinct when it hits me. Does any of that work in terms of a justification for my prediction? None. <laughs> I mean, I could – look. I've been waiting weeks for this, and here's why. Because you don't care, but Eddie cares, and Don will appreciate the humor in it. They're getting 34. They're getting 34. Yes, Don. they are. 30, I heard it was 34 and a half, but maybe it's come down. <laughs> Somebody laid a big bet that brought it down a half point. So, Don, here's the question. You would know better than I, okay? Now, clearly you're not necessarily totally believing my, my prediction here or my, uh, my lack of analysis in being able to justify this, right? So, having, having said all of that, I think obviously Michigan's really good, but I don't know that Michigan – and maybe I'll be proven wrong. I don't know that Michigan yet has has had the point to show, like they haven't had that 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 prove game yet. It's probably the Penn State game is going to be their first big like all chips in type game. So I just I look at it and I go, okay, is it possible that they have that they that they will sleepwalk their way against Indiana? That's really the only thing that I could that I could pin it on, other than I just thought, you know what, Indiana's do. But you tell me, Don, with, with the changes that have taken place, how much turmoil is there within Indiana right now? Well, there's definitely some turmoil because you don't make that court, you don't make the court coordinator change uh, your offensive coordinator change if there's not going to be a little turmoil because some players, uh, you know, as as everybody knows, the guys fall in and out of uh, justification with their coaches, things like that. But it's the same way from a coaching perspective. I mean, there are some guys that probably thought. Walt Bellows is doing a tremendous job, and there are other guys on this football team that may think that this change was uh, a necessary change. Who knows? I don't. I don't really know how the players think at this point. I do know this: the change had to be made, or it should have been made. Um, last year, this offense was terrible. It was just not a good offense. They had nothing going for them, and this year, it started out that uh, the offense really didn't do much early on. And a couple of ball games that they did do something offensively, the teams that they played against were weaker defensively. So when you look at it from a pragmatic standpoint, you just have to say, is Indiana getting better or are they getting worse? Right now it looks like they're getting worse from what they were initially. The good news is they've had a bye week. They've changed coordinators. Rod Carey comes in. I think he is a really good football coach, uh, and I think he can handle what he's asked to do as an offensive coordinator uh, because he has been that in the past as an assistant coach. But my, my feeling at this point is how can you make that many changes at this point in the season? You certainly can't change the scheme. These kids are used to it. They've been coached in it for the last three months or so. Um, there's no doubt it's, it's, it's a problem. And I, I would say this, the bye week has helped. Michigan's probably going to overlook Indiana a little bit. Whether they overlook a dramatic amount or not, we will have to wait and see. And has Rod Carey had enough time to install what he wants to install in regard to 
the simplification of the playbook or getting guys to understand their roles a little bit better, whatever the case may be, right now this this program is in turmoil because of this situation. Two changes midseason in the last two years with your offensive line coach and now your offensive coordinator. And at this juncture, you just don't what, – what do you think? I mean, all you can think is things aren't working and now we're making changes – so it appears to be a little chaotic, to say the least. So, Don, I, I want to, and I want to be respectful of it, Don. I don't want to, you know, I realize you're the voice of the football team, right? And, and you do the coaches' show. I mean, I don't want to put you in a totally bad spot here. So, feel free to say, look, I, I don't, I don't want to get into that. But I am curious of this flippancy aside. I'm curious of this fact or, or this question, I guess. When you do have those changes, and, and I think Tom Allen is a, I don't know him personally. I know people who do, and I've never heard anything other than he is a salt-of-the-earth, absolutely fine man and human being. I I don't dispute that for a second, right? From a football Uh coaching standpoint, I I feel like in any business you can only make so many changes before the employees start to wonder if the problem isn't the actual boss instead of all the changes that he's making around him. Do you believe that Tom Allen still has? Because there's no doubt guys bought in, you know, the LEO and the energy. There's no doubt that he had everybody there bought in for a while. Do you think that is still the case, or do you think there is starting to become doubt amongst the roster themselves? You know, I don't know that. And, I, and I, I'm answering, I'm not trying to be coy here and, and avoid the question. I just don't know that. I mean, I don't hear rumblings from the players or do I get anybody that's telling me of rumblings among the players that, that things aren't going well? These kids seem to stay together. They seem to love the culture that Tom has brought to this program. Uh, so I can't even answer that question with knowledge, uh, if you know what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying what you see here from the outside looking in is that there are changes being made mid-season, and you got to wonder about that a little bit in regard to how everything comes together again. And I don't know if it has or it has not. All I know is I know that Rod Carey's a really good football coach, and I'm not unhappy with the change in that regard whatsoever, nor was I last year when they made the change with the offensive line situation. That being said, at this point in the season – it does cause some turmoil, to say the least. And how do these players and how do these co- the rest of the coaching staff, how do they deal with that? And we're going to find more of that out here as the rest of this season progresses. And I think this Michigan ball game on Saturday will begin that process to some degree. But at the same time, if they get blown out by Michigan, what's that going to do to the psyche of the ball club? Uh, you know, it's, and, and if they don't, uh, does it help buoy the confidence of this team? So we'll just have to wait and see on that because that's all speculation on what we're going to see on Saturday. Well, Rod Carey was awarded with the highest coordinator contract in IU history right away, so clearly Tom Allen is is, is pushing in there and believes in him. I guess, Don, I'll turn the question to you on this one. If, in fact, Indiana is to make me look like a genius, which is a huge task, making me look like a genius, but if Indiana is to beat Michigan, in fact – is there an area that you have seen so far that you would say, okay, that is something that perhaps they can rally behind and that's something that Indiana does well that would allow them to pull off an upset? Has there been any body of evidence in, in any way so far of an area you've seen of, of real strength that's going to be a challenge for Michigan? 
I, I would say this. Uh, I thought Indiana played very well defensively for a lot of football so far this season and not very well at all in just a, a minuscule number of quarters thus far. Ivy, obviously, I'm talking about the Louisville game in which they gave up 21 in the first half uh, and then nothing the rest of the way. And I saw, certainly saw a defense that, that at times looked like they were breaking down against Akron and certainly against Maryland. I thought the game against Maryland was the worst defensive performance of the season. Can that defense get back to what they looked like early on? I think that they can because I think they have enough talent there. And maybe your point early on that you made uh, today uh, about the fact that the defense at one point looked like they were, you know, they were pretty good, but they still had time to gel because they got all the new faces there. Uh, I think that's the one area you can look at and say maybe this thing can really turn around defensively, and if it does, they might give Indiana a chance on Saturday. But the big question mark is can they score points? Because Michigan certainly can. They haven't Correct. scored less than 30 in any ball game they've played so far this year. So their offense is rolling. But the big problem here, Jake, as I see right now, Indiana can't match their toughness inside in the, in the offensive or the defensive line. These guys have been playing lights out in those two areas on this Michigan football team. That's why they've been able to dominate everybody they've played thus far. Well, the other thing, obviously, Don, let's be real, that comes into play when you're talking Michigan, Ohio State, and probably Penn State, is that if it's a tight game or in any way, shape, or form, or the weather, you know, if it's hot, whatever it might be, you get into the third and fourth quarter, the depth of those teams is really difficult to contend with because Michigan's just rotating in other guys that would be starters at Indiana, and Indiana's having to go further down with guys that obviously are not. You know what I mean? And that's, to me, that that becomes a big challenge. Now, this is very unprofessional of me, Don, but, you know, why start professional now? Um, <laughs> if... So, so on Saturday, if in fact Indiana is able to pull this off, will I get? Can I get like an in broadcast end of game, just kind of a tip of the hat credit at the end of the game? You might get a tip of the hat credit one way or the other in this ball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. So, <laughs> let's hope it's in the positive aspect, Don. I'm telling you, let's hope Listen, it's not in the fill section Don, of the broadcast. <laughs> okay, to answer your first question, Don, I will simply say this. Okay. I have tried my hardest. I grew up a diehard Indiana fan, a diehard Indiana fan in both sports. When I was at IU as a student, I went to every football game. And that wasn't always fun, but I went to every football game. And I've always been a diehard IU fan. I have made a very conscientious effort in my career to try to be as objective as possible and at times probably erred to the other side to try to balance that out and just not have fandom in me because that's my job, right? But those lines seem to be blurred a little bit more now in today's media versus 20 years ago. I think you know that. So the answer to your question is this, Don. Why do I think Indiana will win at Michigan? I don't actually probably think they will. But I think it'd be awesome. I would love to see it. And I just felt like for one time I would just push behind and try to say, you know what, I'm behind them. And I want to go in there and see them play their best and try to win a game and turn college football upside down because I think it'd be fun as heck if that's what happens. And so that's why I made the call and I figured, you know what, I got to stand by it at this point. So that's actually the truth serum answer. (laughs) I understand completely. I will say this. Uh, when we least had expected uh, that Indiana was going to pull off a couple of big wins during a season was 1987. 
and Indiana knocks off Ohio State in Columbus that year and then comes back home and beats Michigan in the same season. The only time in history, I think, that it's happened that Indiana's beaten those two teams in the same season. Bill Mallory was the head coach, and it was the start of some really good Indiana football for a number of years. So there's no question there's a possibility there, Uh, and I pray that you're right. But unfortunately, (laughs) I have a gut feeling that that's probably not going to be the case. But at the same time, I want the same thing you do. There's nobody that wants Indiana to beat Michigan or Ohio State or any of these other ball clubs more than I do because I've been watching this crap for 51 years now. (laughs) And and I want Indiana to, to surprise people and to shock them because that's exactly what it would be if Indiana beats Michigan on Saturday. It would shock the world. You know, Don, the only person I know that is more deserving to see it happen than you would be Bill Benner because he's watched all that crap too and he's not getting paid for it. So, well, I, t- I take that back. He was for a lot of them, but a lot of them it's voluntary and it's like, good Lord, man. And he... Trust me, Bill. Bill's as, as you know, he's an IU football diehard man. So I'd love to see it happen. And either way, we look forward to talking to you about it next week. But let's hope it's after a Hoosier victory, Don. And I hope the, I hope the shoulder feels better. Yeah, it's not really the shoulder; it's the arm that's hurting me right now. It's not the same sprain. <laughs> you know what, Don? Here's the thing: if Indiana beats Michigan, you and I can get a buy one get one free on physical therapy for our arms because mine's going to be sore from patting myself on the back till Thursday of next week. <laughs> You can bet your bottom dollar on that, my man. If you if you if that happens, I'll be more than happy to pay whatever you have to pay for athletic, physical <laughs> fitness, or whoever to take a look at you. Because for heaven's sakes, that would be a phenomenal win. <laughs> it would be, Don. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> See you guys. All right, Don Fisher. Colts yesterday, winners over the Tennessee Titans, big one in the AFC South. But of course. A yen and a yang. The good news, Jonathan Taylor, we now know back in the mix. Zach Moss running like a beast. And then, of course, the the drawback, Anthony Richardson. We now know it appears a grade three AC joint sprain. That is probably good news based on the fact that at the time it looked like perhaps it was even worse than that. But we know a little bit about just shoulder injuries and the nagging nature of it because of precedent here within the city and the franchise. Uh, Joining us now, guy who has covered a lot of Colts teams and probably seen a lot of different injuries that pop up over the course of time. Mike Chappell joins us from CBS4 and, of course, WXIN Fox 59. And, Mike, I'll begin with that. The Anthony Richardson news, I don't know that we will know probably definitively a timeline in the immediate future, but would you guess that I think yesterday we were saying, you know, everybody was kind of wagering guesses. Does four to six sound extreme now in terms of number of games missed, or do you think that would be a fair estimate, or do we even have any ballpark at this point? That's probably fair. I mean, uh, I would think four games, which is, you know, that, that would mean IR. In the past, IR used to have such an awful connotation. Now it's four games minimum. But if you look at it, it's four games, and then that means the fifth game is at New England in in Germany. Maybe you don't do that, and then you get the bye week. So maybe you you give him six weeks to heal, and he comes back against Tampa Bay. Maybe we get an update from Shane Steichen today. The people I talked to, they were still waiting for, uh, you know, to get all the tests back. And I saw that it was an ESPN mentioned he was getting a second opinion, which I tell you, if if I'm a player, 
and this is no disrespect to the team, but I want a second opinion just because, I mean, if we have issues, I had problems with my hip, and I got a second opinion. So, and these guys are 10 times more important than I am. So, yeah, I, I think four to six weeks, uh, and we'll see how that handles them with, with Minshew. And, you know, now you're, you know, with injuries, you're, you're one play away from Sam Ellinger, who has played, you know, competent football, if that's the right the right term. So it's it's funny. I I've had a running joke going with uh, James Boyd that since he took over the Colts beat with the Athletics, he's ruined his franchise. I, I, I blame him for last year, and I blame. So it's. I saw him walk up to you yesterday and goes, "Man, you can blame me again, right?" Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 I am. I am. I, you, you always look for the what is it? Occam's razor. That's right. You, know, you always find the simplest answer. Well, it's James Boyd, so you know, damn you, James. But uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. What's really in the short term encouraging is they beat Tennessee without Richardson, without with a rookie left tackle, two rookie corners, with with Jonathan Taylor getting ten snaps and what was it, seven touches. But over the long haul, I mean, you, you need your players. You just do, you know, and if they're going to continue to do something this year, whatever that something is, you need Bernhard Ryman back. Of course, cornerback is what cornerback is. It's going to be really interesting to see how they use Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor. You simply cannot say, okay, Zach, uh, thanks for holding this spot. This is now JT's backfield. No, this, this guy's done way too much to do that, so – We'll see how this works. Uh, we talked to Jim Irsay on Saturday, and he said, well, he said, you know, what they're sort of hoping with, with Zach Moss, you know, in, in the long term, whatever long term is, this could mean fewer carries, whatever that means, for Jonathan Taylor. Now, he's still he's still the guy. When he gets back and is in form, he's the guy because I was going to say he gives you home run potential. Well, so Zach Moss yesterday. That play was so reminiscent to me of the touchdown against New England, third and one, whatever it was, and he pops it. Uh, Taylor did. so, But, yeah, it's it's they're still in pretty good – they're in really good shape. You tell anybody in preseason that you're three and two and all this, you say, it's pretty good. Well, but, but you're going to lose your quarterback. That's where they are. Unfortunately, they do have Gardner Minshew. And I'm not all aboard the Minshew train. I'm not. I, I – He's still got he's still got limitations, but he played pretty well yesterday. Pushed the ball down the field, which they really hadn't done with him. And the issue now is you're not going to get big plays in the run game from your quarterback. But if protection holds up, maybe you get the big plays in the passing game, and the big plays in the run games come comes from the running backs. Chap, I feel like Gardner Minshew, and I want you to. Tell me if, if this is an accurate statement in your opinion. I feel like Gardner Minshew is a really good, serviceable quarterback on a roster that has dynamic playmakers where he just has to make sure that they're taking care of the football and getting the ball to playmakers. The problem is in this scenario, the biggest playmaker is the one that he's replacing as of right now. That's the guy yeah. that – does that make sense? I mean, I think – you know, obviously yeah. Moss and Taylor are, are – you know, Taylor we know has capability once he gets up and going. But outside of that, I mean, the, the offense at this point has kind of been 
fueled by what Richardson is able to do. Well, because what the quarterback's able to do, Richardson, it opens everything else up as well. And we had only really seen a snippet of what he could do in the pass game just because he's, he's, he's not been in the field. I mean, he, he, he's not finished three of his four starts. And by the way, he didn't start a fifth game. So, I, I, the, 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 boy, I hate to say problem. The issue with Minshew is I, I, I think there's a ceiling that we know what it is. So, you know, there won't be that threat of the quarterback on the edge. There just isn't. Uh, but, but if you can manage and stay out of being behind 14-3 or you're really having to throw too much or whatever, stay out of third and 12, third and seven, then it works. It's just when you have a quarterback of his caliber, there is a, a smaller margin of error than with Minshew. If, if they get back down 20, 23-0, Richardson can bring him back. I don't know that I would have the same optimism with Minshew. And I don't mean – it just sounds like we're piling – I'm piling on the backup, and I'm not. I mean, he's one of the big, big reasons they are 3-2 and two with how he's played. So, uh, But there's no question. Anyone who thinks that they're better off with Minshew is crazy. And if that's if that comes across as a slap at him, then so be it. But they drafted Richardson for a reason. Now the concern is, and is this is this is three injuries. And Mike, are those injuries? Let me ask you this: the injuries to Anthony Richardson are a. We've seen guys before that for whatever reason the sports gods just frown upon them and their bodies just don't respond sometimes. Do, do you Sanders. think? Bob Sanders is a great example. I mean, football, basketball-wise, Jonathan Bender, Steve Entman when he yep. was here. I mean, there are certain guys yep. that they just can't – they just could never get it going. Yep. With, in the case of Anthony Richardson, maybe we don't know this yet, but how much of that is schematic? How much of that is the fact that he is putting himself or the offense is putting him in vulnerable positions and now the Colts are going to have to go back to the drawing board and realize there are some plays they've got to take out? I, I just don't know how you do that because that's what he is. Right. I mean that—that's what he is. That—that's the balance you're having. Like Shane Steichen mentioned yesterday, he gets hurt on a designed run. Well, the week before, it works for the same play. He goes for like 23 yards. It's just—and again, I think one that was avoidable was the concussion. I, I'm still convinced if he—if he, he kind of runs through the the end zone instead of sort of easing up a little bit, that he doesn't get waxed at the goal line. Or if you learn to fall different, you don't smack your head on the turf. Although we saw Molly Cox may have got a concussion, was sort of the same way with the head snapping back. But really, the the, the plays that, that Richardson's got hurt on have been football plays. They just have been. It was just unfortunate that he comes down on his shoulder and a 250 pound linebacker falls on him. I, if you start scheming to where he's not in those positions, then then. He's a pocket passer, and he and he picks up runs on scrambles. That's not what you want. So I I, I hope this is just that the football gods saying, well, we gave you your quarterback. Now you're going to have to pay a price for a while until he's we, we we decide he stays healthy. I don't know. It's just we've been so spoiled, you know, those of us old enough that 
Peyton started, you know, like what was it, up ten years, eleven years in a row, and and Andrew Luck started the first three and a half seasons, uh, and now you've got a running a, a running quarterback, and you know Jalen Hurts doesn't get hurt, you know, like this. Uh, you, you can find ways to protect yourself, but these are these are design runs. They're they're runs that quarterbacks do all the time, all the time, a lot, and they don't get hurt. It's it's just how you get tackled. It's it's that you again don't run through the end zone and the safety smacks at the goal line. Uh, but boy, it's just so frustrating. Again, we were just talking to James Boyd. It's like they can't have good toys. They, they they just can't have good toys to play with. And if you're going to get one back with Jonathan Taylor, then we're going to take this one with Anthony Richardson. But this is your guy. They, they knew when they drafted him that this guy was more at risk for injuries than other guys because he, a big part of his game is getting outside the pocket with design plays and getting hit. But a lot of quarterbacks do this, and they don't fall right on their shoulder, and they don't get – whacked at the goal line. So I, I just I just think it would be so wrong to alter how you call plays because th- this this is who he is. The Dean Mike Chapel of Fox 59 and CBS 4. Nice enough to take some time with us here on Query and Company. Chap, I want to change lanes to the Jonathan Taylor of it all. How in the heck did we get to the conclusion being an extension for Jonathan Taylor? And were you as surprised as I was that it took all this time just for $14 million a year. I tell you, we, we had, we spend so much time in, in the, in the media room, Stephen Holder and Joel and Nate and James and Kevin. And, and, and we just, I, I'm telling you since July, since June, we're throwing them around, you know, three years, 42 million. And you guarantee roughly two franchise tags, which is, I don't know, 24 million. And shouldn't that do it? And and here we are with virtually those numbers. So what what we don't know is why you know why uh, did, did Taylor's people want the seventeen the sixteen million dollars a year that that McCaffrey got when he was at Carolina? Uh, well, first of all, the, the Colts offered nothing. The Colts had not offered anything. So people who said the Colts were lowballing, no, they weren't. They weren't lowballing. There was nothing. And somebody puts out there on social media, which is always perilous. Well, Taylor wanted to be the number one running paid running back in the league. Says who? That never came out. No one ever. No one ever said that. No one ever quoted a source saying that. So we had no idea what we were working with. But why this thing took this long to get done? The only word I can use is stubbornness on both sides. You know, from Taylor, he was demanding a good paycheck, whatever that is. Yet, he was telling them he wasn't healthy. Well, you can't have both. You know, and again, I was told and I believe that Taylor could have passed his physical in July. But but why he didn't, uh, maybe he wanted the contract before the, 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 the he's healthy, I don't know. But I just I, it, this is something that could have been done. Stephen Holder mentioned, and I think he's got something you know correctly that maybe the team looked at what's gone on and hey, we're you know we're competitive and we're maybe the quarterback's further along 
and get Taylor done, and boy, the second half of the season, we'll really be going strong. I, I think that's possible. I, that's exactly what I thought, Mike, was that they looked at it and said, you know, do you think this is possible? Uh, Mike Chappell, our guest, do you, don't you think it's possible that the Colts were holding off on signing Taylor to an extension because they wanted to make sure, first off, that they had drafted a guy that, in fact, they – at quarterback that is going to be here and be their guy, and they wanted to make certain that they hadn't drafted Jamarcus Russell or Ryan Lee for Johnny Manziel or right. whatever it might be. And then once they saw enough, and so because they held off on the extension, that irked Taylor. Then they saw what they needed to see and said, you know what, this is a guy that we're going to run with and we need to start putting the pieces around. So then they went back to Taylor and said, okay, now we know, and so boom marriage settled that that was my first thing the second mike that i was talking about earlier and i want you to to weigh in on this if if you if i'm way off base is it possible that the colts also figured out you know what there are other positions of need upcoming where we want to have the tag available if we need to use it i thought i thought the same thing yeah i know one player that's good impact and so i was just saying i was looking at the numbers mike the wide receiver position. Alec Pierce yesterday had one catch for 10 yards. Josh Downs looks like he's going to be a real nice safety net for them. But they still don't have a dynamic stretch receiver for Anthony Richardson. If I'm Michael Pittman's camp and my contract's coming up, I'm saying, look, guys, $30 million. I want $30 million or more. And the, the tag would cost them around twenty-seven. So is it possible that they said, you know what, if this gets to a stalemate – and Alec Pierce still hasn't evolved necessarily where we'd like. We've got to tag Pittman. That's the guy that we need to make sure that we have for Anthony Richardson. Am I out of my mind? No, I think that could be part of it because they're they're always looking down the road. And it, it, I think what's really interesting, and 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 we've I've written about it and others have as well, is it's it's really in, incredible how different Jonathan Taylor and, and Michael Pittman have handled their contract years. Because, you know, here we are, all we went through with, with Taylor and Pittman hasn't said a peep. He really hasn't as far as, you know, you know, showing that he, that he wants the extension. Because he, know, he knows if he stays healthy, he's getting paid big money. And it's the difference in the positions. And with the Taylor contract, all of a sudden that franchise tag is there. And it's available to you. Now... Pittman might grumble a little bit, although it's hard to grumble when you're getting $25, $27 million guaranteed. Right. I mean, really. But but that that is an option now. So, and again, even if they get Pittman done and whatever, they still need another guy. They need, they need another big receiver. And I'm not talking size. I'm talking, you know, playing capabilities. I just think they do. But with a, with a quarterback on his rookie contract, you, you can do that. You know, in a couple of years, you, you can you can re-sign Bernhard Ryman as your left tackle. He's looked pretty doggone good. Hopefully, they, they get him back here in a week or two, maybe this week. I don't know, but yeah, I get, getting that contract done it gives you flexibility. I've not seen the details. I'm guessing it ties him here for two more years. You know, with the guaranteed money this year and two more. So he's going to get paid $31 million over, over the next two and a half years, which is pretty good money. So, uh, yeah, but it does. It, it, it gives you that. I think all that kind of goes into it. 
the, the most interesting comment we got that I thought when Jim Irsay surprised a couple of us and called us on Saturday is, well, you know, this contract got done a, a little sooner than I than I wanted. So this, to me, was, was really football-driven by Chris and, and his and Mike Bloom and his people. Uh, so, but but it's done, and and we've gotten, I think, as much information as we're ever going to get on why. Of course, we got no, we got no comments on why it took him. What is it? Eight months, nine months to recover from from ankle surgery and all that, and we'll we'll never ever know uh, what was said on on Ursay's motorhome at training camp. Uh, but it, it's just it, it just allows us to breathe. Well, I say us, the media, because it just sort of, it just kept it just captured you. Everything that we've written it, it has been so Jonathan Taylor centric, and it just sort of takes a, the air out of the room. And you know, if he comes back and is and is what he was, he he was a top five running back. He was maybe top three. And he's 24, so they're in good shape there, and they've got obviously some holes to fill moving forward. They need help in the secondary. It's it's rare that you can get by starting two rookie corners uh, for very long. Uh, but but this is one thing they took care of. But I thought they could have taken care of it two or three months ago if, if stubborn heads weren't involved. Mike Chapel is our guest. Chap is the purpose of. Getting a second opinion with Anthony Richardson and the shoulder injury done in your mind to figure out if he can come back sooner or figure out if it's more serious and needs to be out longer. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it, again, I think a player is crazy to not get a second opinion. And it's not because you don't trust the team. But, I mean, why wouldn't you? Again, I mean, if you're going to have an operation, shouldn't you get a second opinion? Just, just because it's your body for crying out loud, and and maybe the team said, yeah, it's this, and we think this, no surgery, but this, you know, four to five weeks, and maybe Richardson wants to say, you know, maybe, you know, maybe maybe I get a second opinion, and they say it's it's two to three weeks. It, it's just it's information gathering, and I think a player, any player, I don't. It, this is your franchise quarterback, but if it's if it's your number four linebacker. You get a second opinion just because it's in your best interest and this is your career and you want to take the best option. And and probably Richardson wants to get out there as soon as he can. Uh, and a second opinion will either say, yeah, you could do this, or would reaffirm that, no, it's going to be four to five weeks. So it, it just makes sense to get a second opinion. Mike Chappell is our guest. Mike, the NFL, if I'm not mistaken – the NFL Players Association has recently said that they want the teams to explore putting in natural grass at all stadiums, correct? Yes. And I don't want to misquote anyone here, but it is my understanding that the Colts or Lucas Oil Stadium have said that at this point that that is not of interest to them in terms of the playing surface at Lucas Oil, correct? I thought I saw that. I can't. Re- I, I yes, I think I've seen that. Okay, is it possible that when their most coveted franchise player of the last quarter century, not named Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning, I guess, but but in that ilk, if injuries continue, 
And Shane Steichen in particular looks at Philadelphia and goes, look, we had Jalen Hurts that we ran similar plays for, and he's getting hit on grass, and he was durable. Does that Will that in any way, shape, or form factor in to the Colts' thinking in terms of the playing surface if Anthony Richardson continues to get dinged up? Will they explore that? I would think you would need to, but at the same time, they had to – that had to be part of the discussions before this. I mean, it's it's it is about taking care of all your players. I realize Richardson is <laughs> is more more important from a football standpoint than other players. But if that's the stance you take, then you were just sort of rolling the dice with everybody with the other fifty three player fifty two players. But but at the same time, like you said, that this this is where you're monetary and your energy and your roster building focuses on the quarterback. Uh, and again, these, uh, of course now the concussion happened in, in Houston, uh, but he had the, he had the knee bruised knee here. And I, I wish I could see that the, the play that he got hurt with the bruised knee. I thought maybe he was rolling out on, on a pass and it wasn't a run, but this one, this one was, was getting your shoulder driven into the ground and, is I guess I assume the the ground is is more forgiving when it when it's not some form of turf, but I I just think it wouldn't hurt to revisit it and do you know it's it's crazy to hear these things in, in court that the cost analysis and the B counters well you know if this many people, but but when, when it is your, your best player you you should discuss it, but I would think they had their best players in mind all along. When they when they made the decision in the first place, Mike. Last thing from me, and and I hate to be a Debbie Downer here, but I'm curious of this. One to ten scale, ten being the most like you know bells and whistles and fire alarms and everything else going off, and one being not at all. That's a media problem. We're not even concerned about it. What do you think internally is the? I'll say concern for lack of a better phrase. One to ten scale within the Colts brass about the slow start for Alec Pierce. Oh, five, five. I mean, it, it's he's just – part of it is that early on, even though we're only five weeks in, early on, earlier on, they weren't really incorporating downfield throws. Uh, and now he's getting, what, two or three targets downfield. Yeah, there's, there's got to be some concern just because you got to get him going. He's, he, he had a decent year last year, and it's you, – you're asking too much to have – Pitt and Josh Downs is a player. He is he's a player. good. He's yeah. a player, but you need you need Alec more involved, and that should come when they take more when they're when they're comfortable taking more shots downfield. But yeah, it's, it's you know I've, we've we've talked to Reggie Wayne, and they said yeah we need to get Mister Pierce, you know, to be more consistent or, or be more consistent with him. Uh, yeah, it, it's a concern, and I've kind of held off too much concern but we're five games in and he's got not much now he had the, he had a pretty big uh uh interference penalty on him but I, 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 you, you need to see catches you know i don't want part of the guy's resume as well you know he drew six interf- interference penalties for you know 100 and whatever yards right now he's got eight catches for 124 targeted you know, 16 50. times yep yeah and that, that's that's just not enough uh, so, you know, we can talk about this in about three weeks and see 
where we are and see if they can continue to grow this offense and stretch in a field with, with Minshew. And if the offensive line holds up, and it's playing, it's playing pretty well. It's really playing well with the same people. So kudos to Tony Sperano and, and what he's done. But, yeah, they, they need to get him more involved. They just do. The Dean Mike Chapel, Fox 9 and CBS 4. Chap, always good to catch up with you. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you guys later.